I got to tell you, it, it, it's really hard for me, even in the training that we did today, I had uh, somebody on the break come up and uh, I, it just, it's just such an emotional, you know, it's, it's like, you know, if, if nothing else ever happened with this book um, or this material, that conversation that I had made it all worthwhile. And what a gift, what a gift, you know, that somebody uh, was touched by, you know, by that. You are listening to Champions for NorCal Kids, brought to you by First 5 Shasta, First 5 Tehama, KIXE Channel 9, and Expect More Tehama. I'm your co-host, Wendy Dickens, Executive Director at First 5 Shasta. And I'm your co-host, Heidi Mendenhall, Executive Director at First 5 Tehama. Please listen in as we highlight both the importance of and the amazing champions that work for the youngest members of our community. Our goal is to share the wealth of our community with our community. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Here we have Dr. Chan Hellman again, author and professor and so many things, um, but mainly my hope inspirator. As we all know, we love Mr. Um, Dr. Chan Hellman. So um, here we are today to talk to him a little bit about his book that he co-authored. Yay. And so, oh, yeah, I know, right? Exciting. So I know I that. I think our, our, when we get to talk to authors is my favorite. I just love hearing from your, you know, journeys and wisdom around book writing. So welcome, Dr. Hellman. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Always an honor. And I greatly appreciate the opportunity. Well, we greatly appreciate you being willing. Um, we know you're very, very busy. So um, we will just dive right in. So tell us a little bit about the why. Why did you decide to write this book? And then we'll talk a little bit about what nuggets you find the most useful in the different chapters that you have. I think there's like 22 chapters within the book and um, they're all very filled with wonderful pieces of information, but we'll, we'll want to glean from you the best and the brightest. <laughs> yeah, so thank you. Well, um, so I'm a professor uh, and I've been studying hope for now for 15 years. Um, and I'm very interested in the science of hope and how we can begin to apply the science of hope um, to really improve well being uh, for children, uh, for adults, families, communities, um, and now organizations. And so as I continue to do that research, what I recognize is that when I publish the science of hope, it's published in uh, scientific journal articles that only other scientists have access to, that it's not uh, available to the general public. And so um, I just became committed to finding a way uh, to make this accessible and available to the general public um, and to do it in a, in really in a story kind of way um, that also communicates that hope is a science, but, um, but it's that something that we can actually begin to do. So writing the book became important to make it uh, accessible. Um, and um, yeah, it was, uh, it was very hard for me, by the way, to, <laughs> um, to write. My co-author uh, uh, has written multiple books and he, he put out his chapters very quickly. And um, I kind of struggled with them because for me, it was a different way of writing. And um, that makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. I, I do have to say you did a wonderful job of really breaking it down into a layman's terms 
in ways that were helpful for understanding and not in that collegiate kind of writing, which I also love to read, but not everyone does. You know, Heidi and I are kind of geeking out about it and we are um, a little bit nerdish in that way, but that isn't the truth for all. But I can really say that when I read it, it was very easy reading for me to understand, comprehend and to digest, right? And that's the most important part, really making sure people are are able to get the seed that you're trying to plant and then grow it. And so I really appreciated that. Well, thank you. Thank you. That's very kind. What is, what would be your like complete, um, you know, success with the book? If you, if you were to know that any change or anything had come from somebody reading the book. Yeah. So um, this, this actually gets kind of uh, touching for me, but periodically I will get um, an email um, from a parent, an email from, you know, somebody who maybe is a child or an adult survivor of childhood trauma, or, you know, I've received really touching emails from uh, people who were retired special education teachers and say, you know, this is what I was trying to communicate to everybody all those years, but, you know, now I finally have this language of, of why it was so important. And um, I got to tell you, it, it, it's really hard for me. Um, even in the training that we did today, I had uh, somebody in the break come up and uh, I, it just, it's just such an emotional, um, you know, it's, it's like, you know, if, if nothing else ever happened with this book um, or this material, that conversation that I had made it all worthwhile. And what a gift, what a gift, you know, that somebody uh, was touched by, you know, by that. Um, so that's, that's really what I've, I've enjoyed. Uh, you know, I appreciate you so much because you are just such a humble person for all of the expertise and wisdom that you've provide other people. And I do think that the power of your work is so important because, you know, we talk a lot about adverse childhood experiences in our area and that's the why, right? Why do we do certain things that we need to do to uplift the community? And one of the passions I really have is trying to help, you know, mitigate and prevent future adverse childhood experiences from occurring, um, especially in that zero to five realm, but also just throughout life. And then you know, one of the, the other big pieces, and I know Heidi feels similarly, but I don't want to talk for her. She can, she can also express this, but I just feel very, very strongly that we have to give people lots of different tools. And for me, that is one of the reasons why this particular science, the science of hope is so valuable. And the fact that you're willing to share it in such a broad way and in, in, in such a kind way and is just touching to me. So the fact that you're always touched, it continues to touch me even more, but, you know, just listening to you talk about it, you can tell, um, you know, the passion you have behind it. And the reason why it's been so successful in pushing out as information is because you continue to remain passionate about sharing that. And that's really um, hope begets hope, right? Like I, I just, you know, I, I, you just embody it obviously. Um, but not everyone does just because they have a passion about something doesn't mean that they're embodying it. And I, and I, you just, it's just like you glow hope. I don't know. I, I I'm sounding such a geek. I know. but I, just, <laughs> I so love that, that you glow. I mean, so to be truly honest, my, my first thing I ever learned about you was that you were um, Michael's hope Yoda. 
So, <laughs> <laughs> hope. Michael Burke talks so very, very highly about you, and you are his hope, Yoda, as you are mine now. Like, I mean, seriously, like, and you just, you, you'd really truly, and Yoda was my favorite Star Wars character, yeah. is to this yeah. day, always has been. Um, and you know, it, but it's true, you, you really are, um, that kind of inspiration for people and and you just really um, have a kind way about you when you talk about it as well and I think if people can really begin to dig into some of these chapters they can really understand how trauma can really have an effect on your life but then that again it's not your destiny it's really you know something that should inform you and then hope can really be a solution and understanding how you utilize hope in your life and get to building hope in your community and that, that collective hope is such a, an important piece and aspect. So what are some nuggets that you had when you were writing that you thought this is really important? This has to be highlighted in this chapter. This is really what people need to know as a foundation for all of this. Yeah, so I think um, I think early on, um, you know, some of the some of the early chapters, uh, like chapters two and three, I think in particular, was was really um, to communicate early on that um, that hope is a science, and that you know that it is not a it's not an emotion, it's not a feeling, it's not wishful thinking, it's not. You know, uh, you know, when you're really struggling in in your life, just put on a happy face and things are going to work out. Um, you know that that hope is really um, it's real and um, it's something that can be taught. It's something that can be learned and uh, that we can nurture it in our lives and in others. So, you know, the first couple of chapters, uh, I think, were pretty pretty important to right off the bat, make sure that the reader understood um, that, that, you know, this was, this was grounded in science and, um, you know, over 2000 published research studies demonstrating that hope is one of the strongest predictors of our capacity to thrive. Um, and, you know, when you look at all of that research, whether it's in medicine, uh, you know, spinal cord injuries, cancer, you know, diabetes treatment, a whole host of others. Um, the significance of hope and treatment outcomes is uh, very consistent. Uh, mental health uh, as well, the workplace, crimin criminal, um, criminology, for instance. Uh, and all of that data points to the same conclusion, um, that it's such an important part of our capacity to thrive. And so, um, because in my research, I had spent so much of my career focused on extreme adversity, um, whether it was the adverse childhood experience or, you know, things like domestic violence or homelessness. Um, I just really started to look for, but what do we do about it? What, what is the thing that we can we can do both uh, individually when we're working with people, but collectively. Um, and hope is it. Hope, hope is what we do about that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Very so much. There, there was one other chapter that I, I really want to want to point out, and I can't remember off the top of my head which chapter uh, it, it actually is. I think it was one of those early chapters, but we the stories that are at the beginning of each chapter are are very personal stories that um, others have shared uh, as, as a contribution to the book that allowed us then to 
segue into what we wanted to talk about. And, and one of my former students wrote his story, and that was a Mekanaka and an elite athlete who suffered a spinal cord injury and is um, you know, paralyzed from the chest down and um, you know, talked about the darkness that he experienced uh, and sort of how he came out of that. And he, he says something uh, in his talks, he's a motivational speaker now, and he talks about this idea that sometimes we have to lend hope to others until they can find it for themselves. Um, and it's such a powerful story. Uh, so I highly encourage people to go listen to him talk about that. But, you know, he talks about that he borrowed hope from others. And that's how he finally got up and got out of bed and then got ultimately had a master's degree. So for me, that was kind of a foundational spot for the idea that hope is a social gift. Wow. I, I mean, that, um, you know, that gives hope that gives this idea that you don't have to, you, you just don't have to have it yourself. If you can surround yourself with people that are willing to gift it to you. Right. Right. Well, and think about the important work that happens in our communities and substance abuse recovery and child maltreatment or, you know, parents who are just struggling uh, for, for whatever reason. And, and that's the role of our community social service programs, human service programs, our health departments, their pathways of hope. Um, and that, um, you know, made me think of the families that I worked with when I was with uh, child welfare for 16 years. And, and the fact that there are a few families who still contact me just to thank me for um and now I have a different view you it was just like a little bit of an aha moment because I've always said to them and I still truly believe they're the ones who did all of the work to make it happen right they are the ones who had to really overcome a lot of obstacles and barriers in order to have their children reunified and there were a couple that still call me today that didn't get their children reunified and they call me because they're alive and they are thankful that they're alive but they weren't able to make it happen to have their now they have a relationship still with their children um and that's been a lot of work for them to achieve as well but the fact that you just said like I wonder if part of that was because there was they were hopeless in that moment right like they did not have any pathway or willpower to get to where they needed to be they couldn't even see they were in close to apathy. Um, many of them were in apathy. Um, and so, you know, I, I probably gave them a gift of hope, Absolutely. a gift to be Absolutely. able to see that they're, that they did have within them the abilities that they could use something to change and to, and to, their life could look different, right? They're, they could do something different in their life. And that today may be difficult but they have the power to change it and it can be better tomorrow. That's and so, you know, anyway, that, th thank you for that because that just gave me that aha moment. It really truly was still all their work, but I played a small part by gifting them some hope, by gifting them the ability to see that their tomorrow can look different. That's exactly right. And that's, you know, when I train, when we train the child welfare system, for instance, and they're doing home visits or, you know, <clears throat> When we talk about hope and, um, you know, you know, the hope rising kind of initiative is, you know, when, when a 
social worker, a child welfare worker, a case manager, a teacher, um, a neighbor, uh, a youth minister, um, anybody can walk into a situation and go, wow, this is really bad. But when their next thought is, and it can get better, then they are a pathway of hope um, for those that they're serving. And to me, that's why I wanted the book out there is, um, you know, we can do this. We can do this. So the inspirational stories are real stories, many of them very true to your heart and exemplify what it looks like to go to walk this hope journey through the, the, the lens of the science of hope. Are there also actionable strategies that we can lean into if we're like, okay, I really want to get there and you've given me some nuggets, but I need more of a roadmap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, absolutely. So one of the things that um, that I highly recommend for people is, you know, let's start by just thinking about the goals, the goals that we set. And I, I just got to tell you, when we are in tremendous stress and tremendous adversity, we've got the weight of the world uh, on our shoulders, or it's just a really hard time right now. Uh, what we found in our research is that we're much more likely to start thinking about the future from a very avoidant framework. And that is thinking about the future of the things that we do not want to occur. So we, we can engage in this avoidant goal setting. And so what we really need to start doing is leaning into very short-term specific goals. So, you know, really focusing, okay, this, all of this is happening. What can I control today? What can I work on today? And if that still is so overwhelming, then get into a very specific domain. What can I do uh, with my children today? Um, you know, what can I do uh, around work or what can I do around my health? Um, you know, so, so getting very, very specific. Um, and then really just, um, you know, the next piece is to begin to think, okay, so in order to achieve that goal, what are the steps that I need to take? Um, what are the important, what's the first thing that I need to do today to pursue that goal? And then once I begin to achieve that, what's next? So it can actually become this kind of conversation that you have, say, with your children or um, significant other or friend that we call nexting. It's like, okay, so this is the first thing I got to got to do. And once I do that, what happens next? And we can just sort of next or chain those events towards the goal pursuit. I cannot wait to dig into your book. I literally just ordered it on Amazon so that I can read it. <laughs> so well, if you don't want to do the same thing, you can. <laughs> right. So we'll give out, uh, actually, good uh, segue, Heidi. We're going to give out a few of these books. So if you like, comment, or question, um, we will uh, try and find the answer out um, and maybe ask uh, Chan um, to give us a hand with that. But um, we will be giving out a few of those books, First Come, First Serve, probably around three. And um, the other piece is we will also be doing another um, version of this conversation um, as like a book club. So we'll be able to achieve that through that lens as well. Um, 
But I also want to mention that, you know, within Shasta County um, and Tehama County, there were a few people from Tehama County that came mm-hmm. to yeah, um, my Help Me Grow Navigators were there <laughs> uh, who came to Chan Hellman's um, uh, Hope Navigation Training. So we'll have some people in our community that can also speak to some of this and give you those concrete tools as a way of, you know, your, you know, going through your journey and then a way of changing how you are viewing um, hope and how you build that into your life through your goal setting and through, you know, the opportunities that these, um, you know, this kind of framework provide you. Um, and then, you know, if you're a, an employer and, you know, I talked a little bit about it um, as well um, on my day um, of, of being able to be there, but I talked a lot about how as a, you know, person who is infusing this in your own agency, in your own company, in your own work, um, how you can then be a, you know, social gift to those that are around you in that work environment and how you infuse it in your self-care operations and how you make sure that this is really important um, and at the crux and the forefront of what you're, you're doing for policy work as well. So, you know, as we're moving forward, in Shasta County, I'm hopeful. Um, and, and some of that is a wish. And some of that is because I have some power um, and the pathway to, to make some changes, but um, that people will begin to do this and look at everything through this lens of the science of hope and really begin to make these operational for themselves, for their staff and in their policies. Love that. <laughs> All right. Anything you want to add any any desires to you know anything else we need to you know make sure the listeners know and hear before we we thank you again no i you know the 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 thing that i want to highlight and i just love the way that you sort of wrapped into that is um you know there's lots of things that we can do both individually but um you know where we're working now is with organizations and how do we create cultures of hope And what our science is showing, what our research publications are showing is significant reductions in burnout and significant improvements in retention and job satisfaction. So, you know, thinking about this in our own lives, but also in the workplace becomes really, really important. All right. Anything else, Heidi? No, thank you so much. You know, we can apply this in all our lives, all our roles, and I'm just grateful for the opportunity to dig in with the book and have another conversation. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We wish everyone a good evening, good day, good morning, whatever it is that you're listening to. And please, please um, begin to um, provide us with any of your insights in your journey um, toward hope and utilizing the science of hope. So again, also make sure you let us know if you'd like a book because we have a few to give out. Awesome. Champions for NorCal Kids is grateful for the continued sponsorship from KIXE Channel 9 and Expect More Tehama. Remember to like and subscribe to be notified for upcoming podcasts and visit our websites for any additional information, resources, or needs. They are listed in the podcast description. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. Please plan to join us next time. Remember, it only takes one person in a child's life to make a difference in building resilience. Will you be that person?